Welcome to Drum Talk International, the Gretsch Sessions, which is brought to you by Gaver Music. My name is Gemma Hill, and I'll be your host for this mini-series, where I'll be speaking to some of the hugest names in drums. We're celebrating 140 years of Gretsch drums by finding out the story that connects these artists to the brand that they love so much. Before we continue, a small favour... Please like, comment and follow this podcast to support what I've worked on so far and to increase the likelihood of more episodes in the future. Now, let's carry on. My guest was in the unique position of being mentored by some of the true jazz greats, including Alan Dawson, Art Blakey and Tony Williams. Unsurprisingly, she has become a formidable band leader, releasing a variety of solo albums over the last four decades. She appeared on the global stage when she started playing drums for Lenny Kravitz in 1993, going on to work with him for another 18 years. She joined Carlos Santana's band in 2010 and has been with him ever since. I am, of course, talking about the magnificent Cindy Blackman Santana. Welcome to Drum Talk International, the Gretsch Sessions. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for taking the time to speak to me. I wanted to um, start off talking about Gretsch. So your first experiences of the brand and what Gretsch means to you. My first experience with hearing Gretsch was on record. And I was really young, so I had no idea what drums they were. I just knew that the sound was incredible. So I'm talking about listening to Elvin Jones, Art Blakey, Max Roach, Tony Williams, you know, and of course, they're all incredible drummers and they tune their drums impeccably. Um, but there was a quality of sound that I really loved. And I, I didn't know what that was. I just knew that I loved that. And I came to know later that those were Gretsch drums. And my first kit, my first professional kit was not a Gretsch kit. Um, I was living in New York at the time. And this was when I first moved there, playing on the street. And I saw in one of the shops this uh, chrome over brass Gretsch snare drum that I fell in love with. And um, I was able to purchase it. So I bought that and I took it out on the street and played it with the existing kit that I had. And that snare drum sounded better than the entire kit, including the bass drum, which was a 22 by 14. So that big drum should have sounded better than the snare drum, but it didn't. <laughs> and so then I was like, okay, I have to get Gretsch drums. Um, so I went back to that same store and I saw this beautiful uh, 18, 12 and 14 uh, kit. It didn't have a snare drum, but I already had a snare drum. So I was okay with that um, in antique mahogany. And um, I did a trade in of the existing kit that I had and added whatever money I needed to have. Um and got that kit, and that was all she wrote. And I was like, okay, this is a whole other level of sound, you know, a whole other level of quality because it's got, you know, Gretsch drums have a very uh, rich tone. It's very warm. They're very tunable um, because they have enough mids to hold a pitch. Like a lot of the modern drums today, they have a lot of subs because people just want volume. 
but you don't get a good note out of it. You can't really tune it that well. So the drums uh, from Gretsch have a real sweet spot and you're able to get incredible pitch plus warmth plus projection. Um, and if you want volume, then you just play it so you get volume. So you got really everything that you need uh, in one kit. And, um, you know, once I was exposed to Gretsch uh, in terms of me playing them, um, then I just got spoiled, so to speak. <laughs> what does the brand mean to you now, especially with your career and how it's gone? Um, my best sounds have been um, recorded and played with, with Gretsch drums. So rewinding back a little bit, just to be part of the lineage of the Gretsch sound is incredible because all the music that I, I hold most dear and love the most was forged and created with that sound. So it's built into the lineage of, of jazz music. It's built into the lineage of, of creative music. Um, so that's what I hear. That's what I feel most creative on. And I've played other drums because, you know, I'm an explorer, so I check things out. Um, but my most passionate uh, sounds and the most inspiring sounds that make me my most creative uh, come from the sound of Gretsch drums. So the meaning of that for me is um, at utmost importance uh, because that's what I thrive on. I thrive on creativity. I thrive on being inspired. You know, I don't want to play an instrument that just makes me feel like I'm just banging on something to keep time. You know, I want to play something that helps me and inspires me to go further than my imagination can imagine. What do you think that you mean to Gretsch? I hope that, that what I mean to Gretsch is the continuation of the incredible lineage that was forged by all my heroes and not comparing myself to them, but just saying that I am in line with that because um, that is the history that I want to bring forward into the present and into the future. And, um, you know, I find that uh, uh, the sound will, will carry you there. I can hear, you know, for instance, if I heard Miles Davis play one note, I would be totally satisfied as compared to some uh, trumpet player who played one note and the sound was awful. So I'd rather hear less notes from a Gretsch drum than a gazillion notes from a drum that doesn't sound good, you know? Um, and the more notes you play with Gretsch, also they're going to sound great too. But that's just a, you know, kind of an analogy and an example of how important the sound is to me. I wanted to talk with you about jazz vocabulary and what you do to expand it, what you do to get new ideas um, and also what recommendations you'd have for people who are maybe just starting out with jazz and how they can um, get some vocabulary of their own? Uh, for my vocabulary, you know, I always, and I've said this word many, many, many times in this one uh, conversation, lineage is very important to me. History is very important to me. So 
I go back to the history in order to bring myself to the present in order to to post myself in the future um, because you have to build on something. And then I keep my mind open um, without uh, prescriptions in my head so that I can create on a palette that is a clean, fresh canvas. Um, already having um, uh, repertoire in my head, already having tools in my head, already having um, logged in thousands of hours on my instrument, uh, that's already there. Um, and that you need to have, in my opinion. Um, but then you need to um, not forget all of that, but you need to leave that in the space that it's in and then just trust that you uh, now have what you need in order to create the sounds and, and uh, the rhythms and the experience that you're hearing. And then you, you, you give yourself to those moments and you allow uh, the music to happen through you. And, uh, you know, for any young people um, uh, starting out in jazz, and I applaud and congratulate, especially in this timeline, all of the young people who want to and seek to play creative music, you know, because electronica is something that can be used um, to enhance what you're doing, but it also can be used as a crutch. And there are many musicians that use that as a crutch. Um, and that to me hurts the music because you're not allowing the human breath. You're not allowing the human spirit. You're not allowing the human touch. You're not allowing the human sensibility and you're not allowing the uh, imaginative spirit that human beings have. So, and I'll quote Prince, let computers be something that you use, not something that use you. Um, and so I would say to, you know, the young people coming up, um, spend time on your instruments. Be okay with, you know, um, spending time on your instrument by yourself because you need to get to know that instrument. Learn how to get a sound out of your instrument, you know, for the the trumpet players. And I, and I say trumpet because that to me represents the brass instruments. That's one of the hardest instruments to get a sound on. You know, you've got an embouchure to deal with. You've got all this metal to deal with. You've got the breath to deal with. You've got the fingerings to deal with. You know, and and um, you know you have the three um, uh, vowels that cover so many notes. You know, there's a lot to deal with with that instrument. Um, that takes a lot of time. You know, um, to learn the, the the upright bass takes a lot of time uh, because that's another instrument that's very difficult to get a sound on. Um, drums for the novice are 
relatively easy to get a sound on because you can hit a drum, anybody can hit a drum and you can get some feedback right away. So that's one of the reasons why drums are so attractive to, to a lot of people. But to get a quality sound, a beautiful sound, and to be able to control your instrument takes time. So spend time and be okay with being alone with your instrument, being alone with your drums, uh, learning how to tune them, experimenting with tuning to get different sounds, to get the sounds that you're hearing that inspire you to create. Listen to all the drummers that you that you love. Listen to the master drummers and pick out all the things that you love about each of those drummers. Listen to uh, vocalists, listen to horn players, listen to uh, bass players and, and, and guitar players, um, listen to piano players and uh, get inspired by their phrasing, their tone, you know, the treatment of the notes, the treatment of the rhythms. And of course, you know, as I said, listen to the drummers. Um, for all of the drummers, it's very important to um, familiarize yourself with melody and harmony. And if you can't sing a note, that's okay. If you can't play a harmonic instrument, that's okay, but you have to be able to hear uh, harmonic um, structure so that you know when and when not to do whatever you're hearing in the song. You know what a turnaround is. You know where that is, and you can play something on it, or you can leave it blank. You know that's your choice. Um, but at least you know where you are in the song. Um, you know what format you're playing over when you take a solo. You know it's important for for drummers to have that. And by the same token, um, it's it's very important for uh, people who play melodic instruments, uh, harmonic instruments to familiarize themselves with the drums and rhythm because um, usually the drummer gets blamed if there's something happening that's not cohesive with the rhythm. <laughs> but it's everyone's responsibility, of course, including the drummer, especially the drummer, but everybody has a responsibility to uphold um, the rhythm, the pulse, the feel, the vibration of the music, not just the drummer. It's everybody's responsibility. Um, so, you know, um, as well um, as spending time with yourselves and doing your due diligence with homework in terms of, you know, what your instrument requires in terms of the lineage of the music, in terms of the lineage of your instrument, you have to play with people and you have to um, uh, uh, enjoy the ride of, of gelling with people and of um, creating something together. And that's the communal thing. That's the village thing. That's the, you know, the national thing. That's um, uh, uh, the communal expression of creativity, the communal expression of um, the end goal of the music that you're playing. And when I say end goal, um, you can play with a band, if you choose, that is very groove oriented. And that's the extent of basically what they do. 
But that's not the extent of what you can do in music. And every music has to have a core that feels great. But when you're involved in creative music, you can play on top, around, through, in, on that core and experiment and expand and, and rubber band that, you know, in so many directions. Um, but you have to just know what you're doing in order to do that. I hear, you know, like I've heard um, avant-garde uh, bands that just sound like they're just blopping a bunch of notes together. And that to me is not musical. But then I've heard avant-garde music where, you know, um, you're playing, you're hearing people who know how to play in, they know how to play form, and then they can legitimately take it out because it's all based on music. It's all based on something that's cohesive, something that... um uh, has a bottom, something that has uh, structure, and then you can you can destructure, you know, whatever you're doing. But you have to know what you're doing first in order to to do that and do it in a in a very uh, musical way. So those are some of the things that I would I would say, you know, for for young people starting out, and um, you know, as well, uh, don't get discouraged by any naysayers, you know, because some people. You know, they might say, uh, are you sure you want to play music? <laughs> just say, yes, I am sure. This is what I'm doing. And just ignore those people and, and keep doing what you're doing. Because not only are you fulfilling yourselves, but you're fulfilling a need in, the, in, in this realm, in this timeline that we live in, because music raises the vibration of where we're at. It's all based on pulse, you know, vibration, energy, and that's what the cosmos is made of. That's what the universe is made of. That's what our physical bodies are made of. Um, so you're actually helping um, the planet. You're helping um, uh, the energy of this realm. And you're also, when you're creating, you're also doing in my opinion and in my estimation, what human beings are meant to do, what we're born to do and what we're made of to do, because we are made by the master creator. So what does the master creator do? The master creator creates. So for us to create means we're fulfilling um, what our DNA is made of. So never be um, afraid or ashamed um, to do that because that's what you're born to do. I love that. It gave me goosebumps about the vibrations because, uh, yeah, I really believe in that as well. And maybe it's a good time then to talk about uh, the space that you can get into when you're practicing something and you can kind of reach another level, a bit like meditation or something. Are you able to really quickly and easily get into a state like that? Or is there a particular like way of practicing that you need to do to into that kind of mindset? I need to clear my mind of whatever is outside of that room that I'm in, you know, and just focus. So focus is the key word because that will get you there. You know, you can do 30 minutes of focused and intent in 
reaching whatever it is you're trying to to go for and gain more than you can do in three hours of unfocused, just I'm just hitting everything. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I'd rather have a shorter focused amount of time on my instrument than a long period of, you know, willy nilly. um, I don't know. Um, I'm just I got no no vision here. You know, so the focused intent is what will um, help you to grow and repetition helps you grow. Um, when you're doing something, you know, when I have taught in the past and I don't always teach, but, but when I have, um, you know, I might give a student a whole page or a whole line of something to do. And if that is, is a, a difficult task, then I break it down and I keep breaking it down. Um, you know, if I'm, let's say I'm giving them 16 bars of something and that's difficult. Okay. Well, let's do uh, 12 bars of it. If that's difficult, then we break it down to eight bars. We can break it down to four bars. If we need to, we can break it down to one bar. And if we need to, we can break it down to the first two beats in that bar. You know, whatever it is, you know, we can break it down to the first beat. And you just play the first beat and you keep playing that until it feels exactly like you want it to feel. Um, It's placed exactly where it should be placed. Um, and then you build from there and to start from zero is, is okay. You know, I, I know, um, I was injured, uh, one time and, and, um, I hurt my back, um, and my shoulders at the same time. So I could barely even lift a cup, you know, I couldn't do anything. And I, I was fortunate, I was living in New York at the time and I found some incredible therapists who helped me out tremendously. And um, this woman had me start um, first. I had to do these uh, isometric exercises um, and I could not pick up a drumstick. I could not play. I couldn't touch a drum. So, of course, I would do mental practicing in my head and and listening all the time. That's also key. Um, But I had to start when she did start me with sticks. I started by just holding the sticks. That was the first thing, you know, and kind of moving the sticks very lightly just to get my body used to the movements again. And then she started me on on pillows. So very soft surfaces. And I played for uh, five seconds. So I started at five seconds and stop. Five seconds and stop. And then we went up to 15 seconds. <laughs> then we went up to 30 seconds. And I'm a person who's used to playing, you know, if I want to, eight hours a day, you know, when I had to start at five seconds, you know, so I started and then I went up to a minute and I was like, wow, I can play for a minute. And then when I got up to two minutes, she put me on a drum pad. So then I had to start back down at five seconds. And then I got up to a minute and two minutes and five minutes. And then she put me on a drum. I started back down at five seconds. And then I got up to two minutes and three minutes and five minutes and an hour. And then finally I got up to two hours and then three hours, four hours. And I was able to just go, you know, but the, the point that I'm making is that you start off at the lowest common denominator that you need to get to understand what it is that you're doing. 
you know, and, and what it is that you're trying to accomplish, whatever this rhythm is that you're trying to play or this song or this pattern or this rudiment, just break it down to the lowest common denominator and that's okay. And then you build it up from there. So that's one way that that I, I work in terms of my practice, you know, my focused intent, you know, um, uh, repetition, um, breaking things down to, you know, whatever common denominator I need in order to understand and to get a grasp in my hands of uh, and, and, you know, have the, the, the brain body connection for what I'm doing. Um, I'm also an advocate of, of, of books, you know, because when you read something in a book, um, you're doing something that's, that someone else is suggesting. So that means you're taking yourself out of your own brain's realm. You know, so you're adding to your vocabulary with things that you might not necessarily do. And if you're not a person who who reads, um, you know, I find that reading is definitely an advantage. And I'm not the most incredible reader on the planet because um, uh, for many years I didn't even read. I was playing with, with bands that did not require any of that. <laughs> and so busy, you know, my reading was very minimal. But, you know, when you can get in books and work with books, um, I think it's definitely an advantage. And if you can't, that's OK, too, because there's ways to to um, to circumvent that. And that and those ways are by listening and applying what you're hearing um, and then, you know, making your own exercises out in here. So you don't necessarily have to read it, but you can make notes and make your your own kind of uh, chart. There's no one that says there, there's nothing that says that notes have to look a certain way. There is a conformity. There is a conventionality. So there's a universality in terms of reading notes, in terms of what they look like. But if, you, if you're not able to do that, it doesn't mean you can't play music. You can come up with your own. You know, um, John Coltrane came up with his own signs for, you know, major, minor, diminished, half diminished. And that set a whole new standard, you know, because that's what we use now. Um, you don't have to write out a major, M-A-J. You know, you can write out his sign that he used, which is a, a, a basically a pyramid, a triangle. So, you know, there's always ways to to forge and what you're doing. And there's always ways, there are always ways to get to what you want to get to, in other words. Are you able to tell us a couple of books that you um, that you like or that you've been looking at recently? There are some staples that I have. And especially for beginners, I think um, Syncopation is is a great book to have. There's uh, the Alan Dawson book, which includes a lot of, you know, the syncopation exercises and, and some other exercises. Those are, are, are two incredible books. Uh, Accents and Rebounds is a really great book. Uh, I like that book, too. Uh, there are a bunch of polyrhythmic books that are out. But I really love the syncopation book. I think that that's a um, a great book for, uh, especially for 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 beginners, because the way it starts and the exercises. Um, another book that I, I think is a great standard for for uh, people to keep in their repertoire, especially beginners, but anybody, because I still use this book, is oh, it's Fit Control. <laughs> you have to excuse me. Yeah, so Stick Control is another one. So. You know, syncopation and, and 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 stick control are two of my favorite books, and I still work out of those today. I love those books. 
you hold the drum chair for Carlos Santana and you are also married to him. I wanted to know if being in a relationship has changed the dynamic for you at all or is it is it just how it was before? Meaning being in a relationship and, 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 and touring and playing? You know, that um, dynamic has not changed because we both have a healthy respect for each other's space. We both have a healthy respect for each other's uh, musical journey. When I get on my drums, he leaves me alone. You know, um, when he's on his guitar, I don't bother him. You know, I I let him do what he needs to do, explore that instrument. And then when we play together, there's also a mutual respect um, because we both have, first of all, a healthy respect for the bandstand, a healthy respect for creativity, a healthy respect for music because we love it. That's both of our loves, you know. Um, and so the music is is bigger than the two of us. <laughs> so that holds precedent. And we both not only understand that, but we both believe that. So, you know, we, we haven't run into any issues in that, you know, respect. You know, when I get a little long-winded at the studio when I'm practicing, he might text me and say, hey, when you coming home? <laughs> I'm just imagining that you're like always playing music together at home and it's constant music all the time, but, but you really have your separate spaces and keep it like that. Yes, you have to, you know, because I have, you know, also spiritual studies that I do. He has spiritual studies that he does. And then we have spiritual quests that we go on together. You know, we bring the stuff that we both learned um, and we, we, we look at that together and we compare notes and we share you know, and then that means we, we, we're we both growing. So, you know, there's a, a commonality. There are differences and those are beautiful. And then the commonalities are beautiful. And then we kind of hodgepodge that all into this circle of life that we're creating together. And it, it, it works. It works very well. <laughs> Oh, it just sounds sounds amazing. It sounds like it must be just pure good vibes. It sounds great. Um, yes, it's in, the vibes are incredible. You know, because we both love what we're doing. You know, we we both love life. We love each other. You know, so I, I want the best for him. You know, and he wants the best for me. Um, if the best for him at that moment is for him to be alone with his guitar. And to me, for me to be somewhere else, you know, reading or practicing my own self, you know, or, or whatever, just giving him his space. then I want to honor that because I want him to be the best that he can be. And he wants me to be the best that I can be, you know. So um, that's to me what a relationship should be. You know, you, you should want the best for your for your mate you know, for your man, for your woman, you know, whatever it is, you know, you should want the best for that person. And so we, you know, we both, we both feel that way. I'm going to take you on to the supergroup question now, which is who would you pick for your own supergroup? And they can be artists who are no longer with us. 
oh my goodness, are you kidding? You are no longer with us, my super group? <laughs> wow. Um, this would be a pretty large group. It's okay. You can have a big tour bus. I'll let you. I can. Okay. I like it. I like it. I like the big, we might have to have two. <laughs> That's also okay. I would have Miles Davis. I would have uh, Wayne Shorter. I would have um, Jimi Hendrix, John McLaughlin, and Carlos. I would have Herbie Hancock. I would have Larry Young. So there would be, you know, a couple of keyboards there. Um, and maybe even Joe Zawano in there, you know, in the mix. So we got three guitar players, three keyboard players. If I'm going to go with, with double saxophones, I would, you know, with Wayne, I would, I would add John Coltrane. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be my super group. And um, maybe uh, Don Elias on percussion. And uh, I love Alex Acuna. Maybe Alex Acuna on percussion as well or someone like that. Yeah, that'd probably be my my super group at the moment. If it wasn't Alex, uh, I would have probably uh, Chipito on, on, on timbales or Carl Perrazzo. He's like Chipito, you know, if I wanted that sound. And I would have to add Ron Carter on bass and um, Jocko on bass. So I would have a bunch of people. <laughs> All right. I have to allow myself a small fangirl moment because um, I started playing drums when I was little in 1992. And I remember seeing you in a video for Lenny Kravitz. It was, are you going to go my way? And you just blew my mind and were really one of my first drum heroes. And I remember trying to learn that song as well. Like as soon as I heard it, especially the fill, I was just caught. And I basically spent my whole life trying to get your arms as well. And it's never happened. I remember seeing a picture of you somewhere and I was like, oh, she just has the most amazing sculpted, strong arms in the whole world. I just wanted to know if you were aware at the time of playing for Lenny Kravitz that you were you were really one of the first uh, women playing drums who seemed to be out there at the time. Um, there were there were other people too, but I didn't know if you were aware of that and if you were aware at the time of being like a role model to other girls and women. Well, th for, firstly, uh, uh, thank you so much for your, your kind words. I wasn't aware of that. I was just, you know, looking to make great music. Um, and I was not expecting to play rock and roll. I didn't even know who Lenny Kravitz was at the time. And when I learned who he was, I, I, you know, loved what he was doing, but, um, no, I was just trying to be the best that I could be in that situation and, and make it happen to the best of my ability. So, you know, what you're saying is, is, is definitely, um, an honor and I, and I appreciate it, um, very much. And to be a, 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 a positive force is an amazing feeling. You know, a, a friend of, of, of ours once said, it's a blessing to be a blessing. <laughs> so, you know, if, if, um, 
I have been a role model. And if I can be a role model, then um, I'm very proud of that, you know, because I, I, I want to be a person who people can say, wow, she doesn't do drugs. She doesn't drink. She's not a crazy person doing all kinds of crazy things. She's practices her instrument, you know, she's true to the music, true to herself, true to her relationship. You know, I want to be that kind of person. You know, I like being good. I like being a good person, but I like being fire and feisty too. You know, so and I I that's that comes in when I when I play. So yeah, that's that's all an honor. <laughs> I have actually one more person that I would like to add to my super band because I would not only have fun but and get my butt kicked, but I would learn so much. So I'd have to have Tony Williams on drums too. It had to be two drummers. <laughs> We're definitely gonna need another tour bus too, isn't it? Yeah, we, we need yeah, we need a couple tour buses and maybe a couple planes. Do you watch other drummers now? I watch drummers, yeah, sure. And I don't know all the names because sometimes I just see posts, you know, um, here and there on, you know, these various social media things. But yeah, there are some some drummers that I like. I like Kojo Roney. I like what he's up to. Um, I like Malik Kali. I like what he's up to. And there are some others. There's some other really, really great drummers that are, you know, young people coming up. There's a very interesting young girl, uh, young woman from Japan, I believe. And I, I don't know her name, but I, I, I've just seen her on some posts and I like what she's doing. Yeah. So there are, there are some really talented people, you know, who are, are, are playing some really cool things on the drums. And it's interesting to see the take of, of these next peer groups coming up. You know, because they, they have a different set of life circumstances than, you know, what my heroes had and that what I had. So the things that they think of, you know, are going to be a little different as they should. You know, the music is supposed to grow. You know, the music is supposed to change. The music is supposed to uh, forge new territory, you know, and that's no matter what genre you're playing. It's supposed to do that, you know, and, and that's what's happening. You know, so it's very encouraging. I really love it. If you were starting your career in this year, 2023, do you think it would go a different way? Would it go a different way? Um, probably, I'm sure it would, because there's a whole new set of, of life circumstances. You know, there's a whole new set of social circumstances that we're all, you know, experiencing. I'll use that word. So, yeah, it, it, it probably would go a different way. And, you know, a lot of that would depend on my life circumstances. If my life circumstances in terms of me as an individual living on this planet are what they are now, right now, in this given moment, yeah, things would be very different because there are certain things that I I wouldn't have to do that I had to do when I was younger. But those things, I don't want to um, replace because they got me to certain points. For instance, playing on the street. 
I wouldn't have to play on the street right now. <clears throat> but in doing so, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. Um, I was able to to get a lot of playing time in in just one day. I got in like at least two days of playing time because we played like from uh, noon to about six every day. Um, your average club gig is what, three hours? So that means we did two full club gigs each night, each day. Uh, and we did that five days a week. So I got in a lot of playing time. Um, I also learned a lot about people because I met many, many people who were homeless, who were on the street walking around and they had incredible stories because they weren't always homeless, you know, and they weren't always in the condition that they were in at that current moment. But they also saw a lot of music, you know, they saw a lot of people. So I would get these stories, you know, from from people who were hanging out on the street. And then I would go back to my friends, like especially Arthur Taylor, great drummer who I was very close with. At the time, we were really good buddies. But ask him, you know, Art, is this story true? And he would say, yeah, it's true. You know, I would talk to my friend Al Foster, another incredible uh, drummer, you know, about things. And he would say, yeah, <laughs> that's right. You know, so, you know, I learned a lot. And I also understood if I didn't know it before then, it was certainly cemented in my brain at that point that you can learn from anybody. And any and everyone can be a king or a queen in their own right and can even be a genius in their own right. And their life circumstances don't depict whether they are that or not. Because we don't know what got them to those life circumstances. You know, it could have been some hard luck. It could have been, you know, um, this or that. It could have been illness, you know, uh, whether it's physical, mental, it's all illness that needs to be addressed. You know, so it could have been a number of things that that put them in, in, in the circumstances that they were in, but that doesn't mean they don't have knowledge, you know, so you can learn from anyone. You recently had a residency. Is it at Birdland in New York? Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about that? That was with your band, right? Your, your super group of today. That was with my super group of today, which is Aurelian Budenek on guitar, um, David Gilmore on guitar, Felix Pastorius on bass, Mark Carey on keyboards, Emilio Modest on saxophone. And um, yeah, it was incredible. I had such a great time. The band, first of all, played amazingly. Um, to have a residency was just beautiful because, you know, we're used to doing one night, two nights, maybe three nights at the most, which is what we do in, in Baltimore at Keystone Corner. We do three nights. Um but this was 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 five nights and the crowds were incredible. You know, the attendance was amazing and the people were really into the music. They were uh, listening and, and taking the journeys with us. Um, and so to play consistently that many nights and, you know, you you'd learn and you were doing two sets a night. So that means we played 10 shows that week. And the week before that, we did two sets a night at Keystone Corner. So two, four, six, that's another, you know, uh, set of six shows. And, and the night before that, we did one show at uh, Jimmy's uh, in New Hampshire. Um, so we played a lot of shows for that 
week and a half. Um, and I'm saying that to say that when you do that many shows and when you do back to back shows, you start to pull your creative energies and ideas and your physicalness from another area in your spirit and in your body and in your brain. Um, and that brings you to other conclusions. It, it takes you on different journeys. And that's what makes the music grow. And that's what makes the music happen. That's what's missing in this timeline. Because in the 50s and in the 60s, cats were playing all the time. They were playing at night. They were playing in the morning. They were playing in the afternoon. They were doing multiple gigs. They had residencies. You know, and the, the famous residency that Monk had at the five spot was for a month. You know, pe people were playing all the time. And so the music was really given a great chance to grow. And it was given great exposure to people. Because what I find is that the music that gets the most exposure and the most push is the music that the populace gravitates to. The music that doesn't get the push, they don't gravitate to because they don't hear it. You know, they don't hear it and they don't hear it constantly. So when jazz was played more consistently, people realize that that's a music that they love. So we need to get back to that because it's an incredible music. It's great music. It's a thinking music. You know, it takes you out of the conventionalism. It takes you out of the thinking inside the box. It takes you out of, you know, being um, a thinker on a conveyor belt where you're thinking exactly the same thoughts in the same way as the person behind you, as the person who came off the conveyor belt in front of you. You know, this is not that. This is something that promotes individuality, you know, that promotes interpretation, that promotes creativity. So that's why it's my most favorite music on the planet. And that's why it's the most advanced music on the planet. So we need to get back to that. I'm so grateful to Birdland, to Giovanni and his whole team for having us there and trusting us with with that beautiful week that we had, it was just amazing, you know, and the same for for um, uh, Keystone Corner and those residencies are shorter. They, they do three day residencies, but, you know, we're provided a platform to play and for the music to grow and for listeners to come and hear for music, musicians, other musicians to come um, and, and 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 check out what we're doing. Um, so it all makes the music grow. And again, that all raises the frequency of everybody. And we, we need that, you know, we need that positivity. We need that high vibrational uh, tone happening. I don't want to take it to like a, a negative feeling from this. Um, hopefully it won't. But if you weren't a drummer, what other career could you imagine yourself having? None other. <laughs> I can't imagine having myself uh, do anything else. But um, if I weren't a drummer, I know that what I would be doing would be something that raises the frequency of planet, of people, of all kingdoms, the human being kingdom, you know, the plant kingdom, the animal kingdom. You know, that's what my life goal would be, you know, if I weren't a drummer. You know, I would still be uh working on raising the frequency, raising the vibration, raving, raising uh, the consciousness level, it would still be the same goal. 
Have you always had that feeling since you were younger as well? Or has that kind of changed as you've matured and had different experiences? I've always had that. I love doing that. I think I came here with that. You know, when I see somebody in distress, I want to help them. I can't always help them. Um, And I'm one person, so I don't, you know, physically have the ability to help every single person that I see in distress. But spiritually and mentally, I do, because I can send everyone the highest vibrations that, that, that I can manifest. So I've always had that. You know, and and I'm I'm happy that I came here with that, that I was born into this realm with that. And I didn't always know how to express it, but I always had um, empathic feelings. So when I see somebody going through something, you know, I, I, I felt either their feelings or felt the need and the desire to be of some sort of assistance. And again, you know, if I'm unable to help physically, I definitely can do, will want to help spiritually, you know, and vibrationally. So taking that the other way, when you feel like that and you're able to read people, do you feel that that has helped you being a drummer? Absolutely. Drummers are helping people, you know, uh, that's what we do. You know, we, are, you know, and, and again, and I, as I said earlier, it's every rhythm is everybody's responsibility, but drummers, um, that's one of our, our main, um, responsibilities. One of our main elements that we have is to glue things together. We're constantly, at least I am constantly checking all of the instruments to make sure that we're cohesive. You know, I'm checking, you know, the the bass player, the piano player, and then of course building on that and having the the freedom with not forget that, but you know, put that aside and 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 express myself. And that's one of the joys of playing with such great musicians that I've been exposed to. Um because they allow me to have enough freedom to not always have to to do that you know but you know you're always checking that because you want everything to be cohesive so you know that's one of the things that when we put into our repertoire as a repetitive element it becomes just a natural thing that we do okay final question what are you working on at the moment or what is coming up for you next more music more music is coming up for me in terms of my original things that I'm writing, um, working towards doing my next record in terms of, of my drums. Um, I'm constantly working on my, my, my sound refining my sound. I'm learning new things all the time to play on my instrument and new things in terms of the way that I play them, where I play them, the displacement of them, so I'm constantly in a learning mode, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a student forever. And I like that, you know, I love being a student because that means I'm in constant motion. I don't want to stop just because I'm sitting right now. I'm not stopping because in my mind, I'm growing, I'm working on things, you know, so that's my constant motion is my constant growth is my constant 
Movement is my constant. Uh, propelling myself to new heights is my constant. Exercising my imagination muscle and muscles is my constant. Um, exercising these muscles is my constant. I just did a, um, and I exercise them in different ways, you know, of course, just by playing the drums. But, you know, I also um, just did a an incredible workout uh, before we got on. And I was like, okay, I need to sit down for a minute before I, <laughs> I just pushed myself to, you know, some really great limits. Um, so I like that. I like pushing myself. I like forging. Um, I like finding new things to play. You know, I want to take some harmony lessons so I can get better at harmony. You know, I'm constantly fooling around with the piano um, and, and my knowledge is here, but I want my knowledge to be here. So I have to find a teacher. I have to learn, you know, and I like that because I want to grow. I, I never want to stop growing. I want to always grow. And there's always room to grow because what we're chasing is as I was saying before, the ultimate rock star creator. And that's the being that created everything that we see, everything that we are. And so that means our quest is never over because that is so um, vast and so much out of our realm because we can't create human beings and give them a soul. Even if you can make, even if, if somebody can make a Frankenstein uh, being, they can't give it a soul. Only the master creator can do that. I don't care how much AI you have. You're not giving those things souls. You know, you can program what human beings already think of in there and they can compute it and, and you know, swish it around in ways that we might not have. And so then you think, oh, that AI is is smarter than us. Well, you know, it has other factors that that we don't have, um, but it will never have a soul. So to me, that is is um, the ultimate. Okay, I'd like to say thank you very, very much for being on this episode of the podcast. And yeah, Cindy Blackman Santana, thank you very much. Thank you too. Honor to be here. So thank you for listening and a reminder that your comments, subscription to this podcast or like will go a long way. I hope you'll join me, your host Gemma Hill, soon for another episode of Drum Talk International, The Gretsch Sessions.